As far as you're concerned, this is episode 71 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. We totally didn't already record episode 71 that was lost to the sands of internet time. I'm Carlos, that's Dave. I'm going to do the intro in a second. I just want to give you a chance to come up with a witty retort. Too late. Sometimes I like to throw Dave off. I'll literally throw him something. So now he gets to stand there like, and I'll probably take the clip where he's just standing there like, open gate, like, and then boom, intro. How's it going? And and it worked for you, Carlos. It worked for you. I was was not prepared for that. That, that, That's the beauty. You got to be prepared for everything, man. That's true. Especially with you. I'm just prepared to shut my mouth until the intro comes on. But then, hey, there was no intro. That's right. And then there was. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll I'll share with you after. Um, So... It's not really a topic of conversation because it is a sport, so to speak, but it's kind of a different kind of sport. And I've mentioned it before on the podcast. This weekend, they were doing the CrossFit Games. And they okay. were having to do it in kind of a modified way, obviously, coronavirus and all that. Uh, but I'll give you a little background on that. But I'll explain why the Be Prepared for Everything actually fits really well. It's actually very funny. We won't spend much time on it because, again, it's not a sport you can look at in the same way. There's no score. They're scoring, but it's not the same kind of thing. But yeah. I'll explain. I'll explain more. It'll, it'll only take a couple of minutes, but we'll talk about it. So otherwise, how are things? Uh, things are pretty good. Uh, going golfing again tomorrow. Uh, Look at you. I know. Playing 18 with my brother. Well, it's going to be a little chilly now. So I you know. guys, it's full, it's full-fledged sweater weather, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's it's still good to get out, walk around, and hit the ball. This course is not on Lake Ontario. Therefore, I shouldn't be hitting my first shot into the drink. But, you know, who knows where it goes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, in terms of that, nothing else uh, really major going on. Just a lot of, like, family time at home. Uh, we've been doing a lot of, we have a lot, I don't know if I told you this, this is kind of boring, but whatever I'm going to tell you anyway, most of your uh, stories we, are, please. we got a lot of trees at our property. So, okay. which means a lot of leaves. Uh, so we've been introducing George to, you know, raking the leaves and playing in the leaves and jumping in the leaf piles, which he's, which he's enjoyed kind of sort of. So there's that. And, uh, we went to a farm today mm-hmm. and, and that was entertaining. George enjoyed that. And they do like wagon rides behind a tractor with a view of oh, like, on the top of the escarpment overlooking Dundas Valley. So that was kind of cool. Okay. So I'll, I'll take it. Look at you. Hashtag family, man. The excitement. Sounds fair. How so, about you, Carlos? So this week was interesting in the sense that I was getting acclimated. Now I'm full-time at the at my place of employee. So that was kind of fun. But also it means updating the LinkedIn, which means you get the standard kudos. So it's funny because it's like technically I'm doing the same job. Obviously, I get my fancy new title, which is basically the same as my old title. But um, just getting acclimated to all that. And I was explaining to Dave that through a quirk of the way everything works, if everything is right, um, I should have four consecutive paydays, which is good because it also lets me get caught up on everything. Property taxes are coming up here. Hashtag homeowner problems. So that's coming up for for next uh, next week. Uh, well, the week after the beginning of the month. So that's going to be a thing. And, but the good news is then I can pay all that, take care of it. Boom, everything's set. And then uh, I'm all good to go going forward. But, um, in the spirit of that, one of the first things that, uh, that I got thrown into now I have a Friday meeting where they do a Friday virtual hangout for the, for the group. And it's like, Oh, great. Exactly. The stuff that Carlos loves. Dave knows how I love participating in things. I love it, man. I, you know what, that was, that was the first thing that I learned about you when I met you back all those years ago in, at the university of Guelph was like, man, if there's anything about this guy, he loves participation. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I totally, <laughs> I totally don't show up to think. And if I'm bored, I just randomly ditch everybody and leave, <laughs> which I did. Uh, I'm all, On multiple I'm all, occasions. Yes. Yes. It, it is. It's, it's kind of a Carlos move. It's what I do. 
It's really what I do. It's it's really the one thing about you that you you're like one of the things. I don't know if we brought this up on the podcast. Yeah, one, well. one of your calling cards is that you are consistently inconsistent. Yes. Except with 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 that, you're pretty consistent in that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and I your like, and your hatred of participation—that's pretty consistent. I the thing is, I, I if you have to force participation on people, basically, and you're not forcing it. Let's be clear, you're not forcing it, but you but you kind of are. It's like, oh, you're gonna set yourself apart and ignore wherever the thing that everybody else is going to. Well, the, everybody else is going to it because they're forced to. It's like, no, they're not forced to. Of course, they're not. So, uh, so I, I kind of uh, sit. It's like, oh, can you? Uh, and I and I remember sitting through, sitting in for the first because the first one I knew I had to be there for it. Uh, this past week, uh, this past week I was there technically. I was just kind of listening and I had my thing off. And if somebody asked me a direct question, I would have answered it. But for the most part, it's like you guys just chat amongst yourselves, do your thing. It's like, all right, this is the time when I'm actually going to do my work now. Yeah, basically, it's you're you're pulling your uh, Marshawn Lynch, right? You're only there so you don't get fined. Pretty much, yeah, yep. I very much, uh, there's very much a time for it. But next week, Dave, it'll be very exciting. Next week, we're doing the Halloween themed one. Woo? Yeah, exactly. Because one of them was proposing, uh, it's like, oh, you can act out your favorite scene from a horror movie. And I'm like, nah, bro. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel you should be into this. You no, just man. reach through the screen and kill somebody. Dude, this has violence potential written all it, over it, it. It does, Dave. But, but, but violence, I like spontaneous violence, Dave. I, I like I initiate the violence. If it's scheduled, if, if it's at a certain time, it's like, okay, it's your turn. No, no. Th th then it's then it delves into the dark waters of participation. And then it, it combines participation with effort. Like this is everything I this is everything I'm against. All okay. of it I'm against. Respect. Respect. Yep. Yeah. So on that point, I am very consistently consistent, Dave. I am against participation and I'm really against effort. Super against it. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a hard pass for me. So the alternative was just like, oh, you can do a spooky background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me take five seconds. Google Halloween stuff. Boom. Background. <laughs> Not even spooky back Halloween stuff. I love. Please tell me that was your exact Google search. Yes, it was. No, I love it. It, it was like the third or fourth picture that came up. It was perfect. I was nice. like, done. We perfect. got this, bros. We got this. The Google provides again, as it often does. As it often does. But yeah, so that was another thing that was going on with it. And then I mentioned it, Dave, earlier. Now I'm sitting in my fancy new gaming chair. Uh, so apparently the parents were off at Costco and they came across these for a decent price. Uh, I think it was $179, which for a gaming chair is pretty good. I was actually looking up gaming chairs because I'm like, okay, well, if I have to work in the office all the time, obviously we're going to be doing that for the foreseeable future. Well, going into the next year for sure. And then beyond that. There's a good chance that the that the company is going to be going to uh, a system where they'll still have the offices, but I think it's going to be less of them. And my understanding, again, this is all tentative up in the air, depending on what's going on. But the leaning seems to be that we'll be using those more as collaborative spaces, which is code for seriously, you're not coming into the office again. Unless you absolutely have to and we have to do a thing or whatever, then fine. Because realistically, they've they've come to the conclusion that a lot of businesses have. Do we really need to have you all come into the office? Yeah, exactly. Because, th because then we have to pay up for all this office space. That's expensive. And then we've noticed that the majority of you can have your meetings and do your stuff online, and it seems to be working fine. Just seems easier to be like, yeah, just keep doing it from your space. If that's the case, you need a comfy chair. <laughs> yep. Very important. So this is with lumbar support. And I was joking with Dave that it's like, all right, so this is the first time probably in about 20 years that I've sat in a chair that forces lumbar support on me, where it's like, 
proper sitting posture. What is this? Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm still getting acclimated to it. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Although I do like the armrests. The armrests are a, are a good bonus. That's key. Very much so. But yeah, so it's been a lot of that stuff. Um, and then I, uh, I did uh, make two purchases. One related to kind of my YouTube, other YouTube channel, which is uh, mostly I do for fun. So I picked up uh, this camera. So this is a uh, Sony A6400 camera. I've been playing around with it a little bit. It's pretty cool uh, for what it is. These things are these things are still moderately expensive, though. They're not like uh, cheap cameras, but it is a nice camera that I'll be using for a while. So this is about $1,500 Canadian with the lens. Wow. So not a, you know, a little bit of a spicy meatball. But our friends at Amazon, and I like this feature, uh, they do, you can do interest-free installments. Nice. And then I can use the Amazon card and get the points on the installments as well. Sweet. So it was like, we'll take that. That sounds good. So I was like, okay, yeah. I wanted to buy the camera anyway, but if I can break it up into pieces and not pay any extra, that's a win. We'll take it. Yeah, that. absolutely it is. Yeah. So that's fine. So it's, it literally just charges my Amazon card every month, and then I pay the Amazon card. Perfect. And then I was like, all right, cool. Great. Less work for me. That's awesome. And the second thing, very exciting. This is the most exciting one, Dave. Get ready for it. I'm ready. I bought an air fryer. Nice. I was like, air yeah. fryers are sweet, man. Yeah. That. Well, I was. I've been. I was looking at it, and and Amazon also had that on sale for half price. So I was like, which was one like, did you get? Um, the brand escapes me. I can actually, I can actually. We have a T-Fowl. It's quite good. Yeah. I was looking at a couple of different ones and I can tell you actually, because I, can I highly it. recommend French fries in it. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been, um, in that same vein, there's some, uh, there's one of the brands of like, uh, fries that, uh, make different like restaurant style is what they call it. Okay. But one of, one of them is like these thin sliced restaurant style, which is McDonald's. So basically, they're <laughs> they're sliced exactly that way. So they look exactly like McDonald's fries, but they're excellent. They actually are quite good. And in an air fryer, I think it would like take it to like another level. I could get probably my crispiness. it probably would, man. Yeah, I could get my crispiness. It's a it's an Altrine air fryer. Okay. So it's about a four liter electronic air fryer. So I have to give it a go. I haven't had the chance to try it much yet, but I taken it out of its box and now I'll uh, do it. So that's hashtag uh, house house owner, you know, kitchen stuff. Yeah. But you know what? That kind of stuff, I mean, you know, I mean, we rearranged our, our uh, family room today, we put a new shelf in, and now the room is suddenly divided into two rooms, basically George's play stuff and, you know, the couch, TV, chair, uh, recliner, and it worked It worked better. It's one of those things, you, you know, you move something, and you're like, wow, this room is 10 times better than it was before. Why didn't we do this, you know, when we moved in? Yeah. But, well, at the same time, though, you guys did just move in not that long ago. So. Well, April, but and yeah. I, I know, but yeah, things and especially during COVID times, you know, mm-hmm. getting furniture and and everything moves a lot slower. So, yeah, because even even I've been at the, I've been at this condo for six years now, and from time to time I'll go in and like I said, the chair is like step one in rearranging this office because the yeah. office because I'll probably replace this desk and. I can tell you all of you are going to be very excited about this this conversation, but we're having it anyway. But um, the thing is that, no, I, the desk has served me well, but I, now if I'm going to be working out of this office for the foreseeable future, which it looks like we will be, then this thing has to be set up perfectly to to let me do this, to let me do my regular work stuff. It's like I want to be able to come in here, do all my stuff, and everything's cool. That's kind of the game plan. We want to have it set up like that so I can do it. And then – the second monitor is going to be usable for work and it's going to be usable for right now, all that good stuff. So it's, it's changing your environment and refining it to make it work for you. Yeah. Whatever that is that you're doing. 
So in this case, it says, so your son can finally learn the independence required so that when you send him to a farm to make his, to make his own ends meet, you know, in like six months, then finally, finally he'll start carrying his weight around there. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We've already had this discussion. I've sent Dave the, the five-step plan. We're on step two right now. We're getting there. Sounds good. So I think today, mostly the conversation is going to be stemming around a little bit of the World Series. Yep. Uh, Dave's team is in it. So we'll see if they find a way to fail yet again. They better not. Uh, is all I'm saying. They better not. Um, but at the same time, also, uh, we'll talk about a little bit about everybody's favorite traditional malcontent who's suddenly back in the league, Antonio Brown. Yeah. So can I? Th- I this story just kind of blew up out of nowhere as far as I was concerned with the Antonio Brown stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my, I get, obviously I told you this multiple times. I get notifications from uh, the sports, uh, not, not sports app, but the, the score app. Okay. So yesterday I got, I got six Oh six, seven o'clock. So at six Oh six, I got a notification that said he's visiting Tampa Bay and there's interest, mm-hmm. which I did not, I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. Right. I never heard anything about this before at seven o'clock PM. The deal is finalized. And then at 718, I got the same story again with a different title of the deal being finalized. Like I read the article, it's exactly the same. And at nine o'clock this morning, I got a, here is the timeline of Antonio Brown. Uh, So either it was an extremely slow news day or this story matters. I will let you, the viewer, decide. In fairness, what else was going on in sports at the time? No, I don't know. The World Series? So in fairness, what else was going on in sports at the time? Fair enough. And, I, and I'm a baseball guy, but the reality yeah. is there is, uh, and we'll get to that in a minute after we finish the Antonio Brown talk. I will say though, it's kind of a spoiler. Even I, as a known hardcore baseball guy, I think I've watched like four or five innings of each of the games. Like I haven't watched them in their entirety. I haven't watched consecutively or kind of here or there everywhere. Um, a little bit of here or there and everywhere. Like I'll be honest, like. I the Dodgers don't really interest me that much. I don't really think they're that interesting to watch. And Tampa doesn't do anything for me. So it's like, I'll watch it. And as we get into the potential elimination games, I'll be like, all right, let me sit down. I'll probably sit down. I'll have to force myself. I'll be like, because I've been doing it on, I've been watching it on the second screen. Yeah. While I've been doing other stuff, uh, editing my own content or doing whatever, and I'll just have the game on. But what I'll probably have to do is I'll probably have to shift over to the laptop and go to the and go to the living room and just put it on the big screen right there in front of me from the get go. And probably that'll make it a little easier to kind of pay attention to it a little bit more, because right now it's it's like, look, until we get to the elimination games, this World Series is going to be one of the most anticlimactic ones. And like I said, we'll talk about it more in a couple of minutes, but that's my opinion. I'll explain why, though, shortly. So for now, um, let me just say, though, when you were getting the notifications, did at any point you got a notification that says, oh, Antonio Brown's looking to sign for the Bucks, and then... No, I don't care if it's the same. If it's the wrong sport, it was appropriate. It, it's always appropriate. Mm. Uh, no, you know, I feel like I should have because because here's the thing, and I, I'll, I'll go to this so just people know that are listening in case they don't already know. Uh, he signed a one year deal for just over the league minimum. Yep. Uh, there's potential for bonuses, you know, for performance. Yeah. Uh, he's his he's suspended still. Yep. Until the end of week eight, so this brings him. Uh, for the the Sunday game against the Saints in Week Nine, which is the Sunday nighter now, I'm pretty sure it's it was been it's been flexed. Probably. Uh, also interesting in March, that uh, I guess they asked Bruce Arians about this, and he said uh, he's not gonna he's not a fit in our locker room. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, which leads me to believe that, uh, which is also in the article, uh, Adam Schefter, because he's the one who breaks everything in the NFL, broke this. Yep. 
and basically that Brady made the push to get him. Yeah, of course. Which yeah. is which is not a surprise. Which yeah, I, he, he wasn't getting on there if Brady didn't push for it. Which I feel makes Brady even more of a horrible person than he already is. Yeah. Um. So in the span of 22 months, he's gone from Pittsburgh to Oakland to out of a job to New England for a game mm-hmm. uh, where he went. He caught four passes for 56 yards and a 20 yard TD from Brady. So 20 of those 56 yards were on one pass and uh, to unemployed uh, to Tampa Bay. Yes. Uh, Arians has also called him a diva, which he absolutely is. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a, I don't know if he's textbook diva wide receiver, but he is absolutely a diva wide receiver. But he still is in legal trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that gets me, and, and I, I was talking to my brother-in-law about this today because I, he loves to egg me on about things because he's like, yo, this is the greatest move that they've ever made. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if you actually believe that or you're just trying to piss me off. I'm not sure because the way you say things, I never can tell. But yes. You basically already have two wide receiver ones, right? You have Chris Godwin and you have the other guy, Mike Evans. And I was, was going to say, were you, were you wanting me to fill it in or did you just forget who it was? No, I did forget who it was, but okay. now I remember. So, okay. right, they have those guys. Uh, I don't know how they feel about this, right? You know what I mean? Like, do I think this, this moves their offense into some unknown stratosphere now because you know antonio brown and tom brady have such great chemistry they played one game together yep right all right we already know tom brady is the faux goat that has been explained on this podcast in detail yes uh you know what i mean so i don't yes i mean it's low risk in terms of money absolutely uh but i don't i don't know i don't think this is a good move for tampa bay and i think there's far more to lose from this than there is to gain yeah, I think anytime the reality, Bruce Arians said that because he was trying to quash this early, but obviously it didn't work. He lost, he just lost a power play to Tom Brady um, because Bruce Arians doesn't have the cachet that a Bill Belichick does. Tom Brady was able to pull this stunt with Garoppolo in New England, but it was because he played the one card he had in New England. Like in 20 years, he was able to successfully play one card. That was the only time that he was able to like basically overrule Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick was holding, you know, to, to use the to use the term, Bill Belichick kept his pimp hand strong the whole time in New England. You knew where the power lied. Yep. So Tom Brady could complain as much as he wanted, but but basically Bill Belichick would be shut up and get back on the field. The one time Tom Brady played the card, he was able to do it successfully, but that was like his get out of jail free card. He had the one time he was allowed to use it. Uh, in in Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians Bruce Arians is basically uh, you know Tom Brady's water carrier. Like whatever Tom Brady wants, so that's mm-hmm. kind of the way they've got it there, and that's unfortunate for him because now you've it would just take Antonio Brown doing one or two disruptive things to immediately mess with the chemistry of that locker room. That team is tenuous because, like I said, Tom Brady is not. I didn't think Tom Brady was the goat ever, but I had reasons for it. I don't think he's gotten better at age forty three. So no. he needs all the help he can get. So I understand it from his perspective. But at the same time, you had a prolific offense. Jameis Winston had 5,000 yards with the same guys you already had. You added Gronk. You added Leonard Fournette just for fun. So you're telling me we keep bolstering this up and now we need an Antonio Brown really too? We need yeah, exactly. So, so like, how inadequate are you then? You know what would fix Tampa Bay? A new quarterback, apparently. Because it seems like they have everything Potentially else. one who had LASIK eye surgery. 
Yeah, but no, but I'm saying, but I'm saying seriously, it, it, this feels to me like if they were like a piece away, and maybe their wide receiving core was inadequate. Like jokes aside, I don't want him, but an Antonio Brown esque player would be like a multiplier in like Green Bay because I don't have a solid number two. Yeah. So some something like that, like a Green Bay would actually be a stronger. Or even even a place like a like a New Orleans right now, where they're sure. you know wide receiver one and wide receiver two are are down right for sure. different yeah. reasons. But yeah. you know, or a team like that that you know has a has a long term injury or you know lost a free agent or or something like that. Yeah. So the reality is, and I'll kind of take this Antonio Brown talk and shift it to another wide receiver as well because I think there's a good segue here. But um, the reality is, the reason I don't care about the Antonio Brown move is that I don't think it moves the needles for the Buccaneers in any way, shape, or form. Even if he behaves himself and plays well, it doesn't move the needle because you already had good wide receivers. It wasn't like you had bad ones. You actually had a pretty decent wide receiver no, core. And also, but also, here's an, another thing on that point, right? Because this is just a general thing, right? Yeah. How many how many sets do you see where where three wide receivers are lined up? It's not common, right? Like a, or three guys that could potentially play like as number one, depending on the team, obviously, but. Yeah, three guys right? that like could be a number one wide receiver on some of the teams, but it's it's not a it's not a common move. So, you know what I mean? How much does it change? I, I don't know how much it really does, right? Like, you know, it, it, it in some people's minds, you know, this has put them over the top, and they're hundred percent going to win the division and win the Super Bowl. They may yet win the division. Uh, I still highly doubt that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so. no. The reality is, I don't think. If you thought they were a contender before, I don't think this has changed your mind. It didn't hurt, but I don't feel like it was necessary. Yeah, but at the same time, if you didn't think they were a contender, I don't know how trying to... Dis- so on paper, it's, it would make sense, right? This would be like going into the Madden video game being like, let me just load up on every position. Well, the thing is, you got to throw... If you're going to throw it, you got to throw it to somebody. And you've got two other wide receivers who are like, okay, well, we already have to kind of split touches and potential reception, you know, targets. And now you want to split it another way. Plus, we plus occasionally you like to throw to Gronk too. And we've got Leonard Fournette and we've got all this, you know, thing. It sounds good on paper, but at the same time, it's like, okay, is Antonio Brown going to be cool basically being a decoy? I don't think so. Is Are these other guys going to be cool basically being decoys in certain drives? No, probably not. Unless they keep winning, in which case they might be a little more tolerant of it. But at the same time, um, what if they reel off a couple of losses? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your offense look. Remember, um, here'd be the best way because we didn't get a chance to comment on it. Tampa Bay beat down Green Bay. It wasn't because the offense was that good. The offense, just so we're clear, well, I should say Tampa Bay, just so we're clear, seven of those points were on a pick six where Aaron Rodgers was getting harassed by the defense. And they did a good job stifling him and holding him down and, you know, messing, messing with his rhythm. And another one was a return for a touchdown. Well, that was 14 of the 38 points. That's that's special teams. Yeah. That was 14 of the 38 points right there. So you actually scored 24 points as an offense, which is not bad, but that's not like amazing. doesn't sound as good as 38 points. And we also know that uh, Green Bay's defense is not that good. Yeah. They're suspect at best. So what happened is what happened was a combination of Green Bay's issues reared their ugly head, which I stated repeatedly were there. And like, I don't worry about when Green Bay has a prolific offense. I've, I think I've literally said these words on this podcast. I have seen this show before where at some point they get exposed for their deficiencies because they're there. They've been there since day one. 
The fact that they can have some good days against some inferior competition, yeah. And they can hold their own against certain other competition, yes. But if you, what happened when they faced off against San Francisco? Jimmy Garoppolo was on the other side. Jimmy Garoppolo was just kind of okay. Well, what happened? They ran them out of the building. San Francisco pummeled them into the ground. What happened? Their defense is good. And they were able to run the ball. So Green Bay had no answer. So they just ran them out of the building. Yeah. It didn't require Jimmy Garoppolo to throw for 300 yards. That wasn't necessary. Well, if you go back and look at the stat line, Tom Brady threw for like 166 yards and two touchdowns. And on the other side, Aaron Rodgers had a horrific game, which means he threw for 150-odd yards, barely under Brady, and he threw for two interceptions, one of them going for a pick six. Well, there's your difference in the game right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was closer. Let's put it this way. Green Bay played about as badly as they could play, and it was still closer than the score showed. So I'm not impressed by Tampa Bay right now. No. I don't think they're a bad team, but I, but that that performance didn't impress me. It also didn't shock me. It wouldn't yeah. shock me if Green Bay rebounds and plays a little better this week, and it wouldn't shock me if Tampa Bay lays a couple eggs down down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, by no means are they elite, right? No. And nothing has happened to change my opinion. I will keep changing. I will keep evaluating the data as it comes in. But right now, it was a good score. It looked good. But I also have to look. What, what did Tom Brady do? What was he required? Now, was he required to do a lot? No. But again, I'm back to their last Super Bowl in Green Bay in uh, New England, again, you know, against the Rams. Did Tom Brady look good there? Not really. In the Super Bowl, they want to give the MVP to the quarterback almost every time. They gave it to Julian Edelman. Yeah, which tells you something. Absolutely does. And that was in a win. So let let's just be clear. In a win, they were like, "You're not the guy. You were there. Congratulations, but it wasn't because of you." Yep. It's more because of Junior Edelman. So it's like, like I said, Tampa Bay, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't like it if I was Bruce Arians because he's basically been undermined. He'll put a positive spin on it, but of I Of course would, they will. Because, I, I, mean, I mean, you have to at this point. Yeah. Right? But because what, you still have, I mean, regardless of anything, you still have the chance to potentially, I mean, the chance is there to, you know, win the Super Bowl. Sure. And, right? And I you would, have to think if you're in Tampa Bay and you're a member of that team, you got to believe you can win the Super Bowl. Yes, but what the thing is also does now is it sets him up in two areas. Number one, he got undermined, which doesn't do a lot for his credibility, especially since he did say that they didn't want Antonio Brown earlier. So now he has to kind of they're going to show the replay of that of that clip. Oh, for sure. I so, mean, that's so, probably going to be a main talking yeah. point on you know ESPN and Fox and all the preview shows, the NFL preview shows tomorrow. Yes, correct. If, if it wasn't already today. Yeah, and then there's the other aspect of it. So now on paper. You added an all-pro wide receiver, not recently, but in not, not too distant past. You added the another all-pro wide receiver to already a prolific wide receiving core to Gronk, who might be the best tight end, you know, in history. To the to the faux goat, like so, you've you've stacked up all this talent. What happens if you don't? If you fall short, Bruce Arian can, can Bruce Arian can run can ride his own train out of town as well because they're going to look and go like, wait, you couldn't win with this? Yeah, exactly. That's going to look bad. Yep. It didn't set him up to succeed. It set him up like to look worse. Uh, like I said, I think it's an overrated team, but now the expectation will be increased accordingly. Of course. Whether he likes it or not. Absolutely. And they're going to have a target on their back as a team, as a franchise. So that's just something to bear in mind. It's just something I'm throwing out for everybody to consider. Um, you know, in my traditional Brady bashing ways. Of course. Yes. Uh, but let's talk about another wide receiver real quick before we get to the World Series. For sure. Um, Julio Jones. Yes. 
Yes. He's potentially on the trade block. That's a report that was out there. And um, I laugh because in one of the shows, they did point out the obvious. One of the potential is not, it's not, I don't think anybody else has really speculated that it's in play right now. But like one of the most obvious places where if they could make a deal, they should, would be, uh, would be Green Bay. Because I'm like, yes, give me another wide receiver I can use. You, that, like, I, that'd actually be a really good fit for him. It to would. be honest. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. I feel like I would love to have somebody that could take some of the pressure off Devontae Adams and give me an addition, give me another, give, give the defense something to think about. Like, I'll just put one guy, I get, I'll put Devontae Adams on one side and I'll put Julio Jones on the other. Pick your poison. Yeah. I like that. Man. That creates some space. That, that opens up the field a little bit. And uh, that could be, that, that would be kind of cool. And it gives some room to Lazard. It means Valdez Scantling gets. So now, if Valdez Scantling can figure out his, uh, you know, his ability to catch the ball, that wouldn't hurt either. So, so then you've got another couple of guys who could potentially catch the ball, but it takes the pressure off. That would be a big deal if they could pull it off. I think it'd be kind of cool. And Atlanta is in free fall mode, so like I don't know what keeping Julio Jones around is doing for them anyway. Nothing. Nothing. But what was interesting to me is that another one that was pitched out there is like they might they there's a possibility they would also consider uh, tra- you know trading Matt Ryan as well, which would be funny. Yeah, it would. Uh, I mean, I, I also weird because you know starting quarterbacks of his caliber don't get traded. It's true, but Atlanta's not doing anything with him or without him. So it's nope. not like so it's not like he would be an interesting if you were Atlanta and you and you kind of realize okay this isn't going to work, at least not soon. He would be a compelling trade piece for sure. I mean, because, but think about how far Atlanta has fallen since the twenty-eight to three, you know, lead they had on the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. It is, yeah, sure, sure. And the thing is, Matt Ryan was an MVP that season, so like all those things. But again, if you if you're trying to, if the cupboard feels bare and you want to refill the cupboard, that's a compelling trade piece because you could get some interesting things. Because Matt Ryan has not played like horrifically. No, even even the Dallas game, they were up. So they played well enough to get a lead, a big lead, and then they screwed it up. So it's like, it's not like they are not capable of generating offense, and he he's responsible for that too. So it's like, so it's a, it's not like you've got a fully depressed asset as a team. You're not doing well, but the individual components seem to be like still have some value. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're Atlanta, you got to at least think about it because if you could get a compelling offer, you could very quickly rebuild if you could mm-hmm. find the right things. Now, mind you, one of the rebuild pieces that a lot of uh, organizations have, it's really hard to find a starting quarterback. Yep. It's really hard. You can ask a lot of these teams. And much to my chagrin, one of the other ones that's regressing horror at an incredibly breakneck speed is uh, good old ba- Baker Mayfield out in Cleveland. It's like, oh, God, you're so bad. So trash. Uh, I wasn't hoping for good, uh, Turnbull. I was hoping for adequate. All I wanted was all I wanted was adequate, and we, that might be a stretch right now. On a side note, uh, just for you know shits and giggles, mm-hmm. some point in the future when you know life gets somewhat normal, whether it's back to normal or the new normal is just good enough. Twenty twenty four, maybe, and yeah. we can and it, and it can happen, and we can do it safely. Uh, we need to go to Cleveland to a game because I just feel we need we need we need. I feel that team needs to be mocked in person by both of us. Great, fantastic. Yeah, let's. It's like, hey, hey guys, what are you doing? It's like, you did you realize? Like, I already explained this to you the other day. It's like, and we, I think we talked about it on the podcast. I, I I explained the whole the whole Cleveland Bachelor Party thing. It's like, really? It's like, wait, well, that's one thing. That was yep. weird. But you, you back did bring to that Cleveland up again. Back to Cleveland again. But you get really? tailgating this time, Carlos, which you didn't get last time. Great, fantastic. Well, last time I did the opposite tailgating. I go, I'm gonna sleep in. <laughs> I'll show up to the game when I can. 
Yeah, and you came like the third inning. It was awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I went over. I went over to Dunkin' Donuts, uh, tried their iced coffee. Questionable, um, very questionable. I was gonna say, wasn't it very questionable? It was extreme. It was the most question. I asked questions. There's only one other time, and we'll get into the World Series talk in a second. But now I've got a good segue. I'm doing this now. The only other time that I had greater questions was the was the infamous uh, Dairy Queen. They had um, in Canada, Dairy Queen. They had a thing called the Mulatte. Are you familiar okay. with that one? Does that ring a bell? Uh, yeah, it rings a bell. I, obviously, it's not something I would have ever had. But it was, I, I, I thought I, I gave it a shot, uh, but it was like it was so bad that I think I took a couple of sips of it. Walked outside the door, took a couple of sips of it. And I'm like, Doom. straight in the trash. Ninety five percent full. I was like, this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God damn. I think I got further along the further along to the Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. The mulatte what is the high watermark of God damn. I'm not even trying. Nope. Yeah. That was just straight. Nope. We're moving on. <laughs> and then I walked over to Timmy's and got a nice cap. We're moving on. Oh my goodness. Hashtag questionable beverage choices. Yeah. No doubt. No For doubt. Sure. Yep. So anyway, so in that vein, let's do this here. Uh, World Series? Yep. One second. Here we go. I'm about to do something cool. You ready for this? I'm ready. Now it's time for the segment that we'll call Sad World Series Talk. Because this World Series is a little bit sad. So, Carlos, why is it sad? Well, it's sad, you know, for a multitude of reasons. The way the season's turned out... Yep, we had to use it again. But uh, also, like, the reality is, it feels anticlimactic. Um, really, and I said, and we said this through the preview. I did pick against the Dodgers because I thought it would be funny. But I made it clear I was picking against them because I thought it would be funny. Yep. But at the same time, once they got past the first round, I said, look, I was wrong about my prediction. My very seriously well-thought-out prediction about the Dodgers. But I said, okay, you don't get eliminated in the first round? Fine. You know what that means? You better run the table. Those are my exact words. You had better yep. run the table. Because anything else is a an inexcusable lack, like you you would that would be a failure. You can't you you can't get past it. You have to, as far as I'm concerned, you have to win this World Series. Mm-hmm. I I bid a beautiful hedge bet where I put in the Astros because if the baseball guys are feeling vengeful, the Astros would have been in the World Series, and I put the Dodgers in there, and I got great odds on both of them. I stand to do very well if the Dodgers win, so I I'm rooting for them in the sense that I like money. Yeah, but at the same, but at the same time, it's like I'm not excited. Like the Rays don't do much for me, and the Dodgers don't do much for me either. All you have to do is get Mookie Betts. Apparently, no. but we'll yeah. see. I mean, there's there's still time to go here. I mean, yeah. you know, I won't talk about the game that's currently going on. Uh, it looks good. I mean, in the two games that the Dodgers have won so far, uh, they looked dominant mm-hmm. in every facet of the game. Sure. Right in the game that they lost. They looked like they could compete. Yeah. And right? It, it feels and that's like the pretty Rays good. Done, yeah. It feels like the Rays, though, have done what what they could. It's very possible that they have exhausted their capabilities. And if that's so, then the end is nigh. Yes. And that's, kind of, and that's kind of the key. But that's why I'm saying, like, supposedly, the Dodgers are supposed to have the kind of depth that would allow them. Because look at it this way. To put it another way, maybe. Uh, this would be the way that I would explain it. All right. In game one, they got a Kershaw victory in the World Series. Yep. Which is like the, one of the things that if you're a Dodger fan, you worry about. Mm-hmm. Walker Bueller also pitched the way that you would hope he would. 
And then, and you know what? I, is it is it wrong that the whole time I was thinking the following? I wonder if the value of the rookie card is going up. It's like, I wonder if that makes Carlos happy. I wonder why I didn't buy it off Carlos when I had the chance. Correct. Because like many other decisions, they're questionable, Dave. It's fair. It's fair. Like just decisions being made that, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, not quite as bad. I like to think that you, while you wouldn't have signed Antonio Brown, if you were there in Tampa, you would have been like, he's a malcontent and this is a terrible idea. But is it? No, wait, it's a terrible idea. But you would have hesitated. You would have Absolutely. 100%. 100%. You would have been like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Wait, what? What, what was I doing? Wait, stop. Be gone, vile demon. And then there would have been an exorcism and you would have gotten it out of your system. But, you know, it still would have been like a moment of, you know, we're, we're in peril here. We're in peril yep. a little bit. Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I would think so. I think the Bueller, if they win the World Series and Bueller looked good in the in that one game, and if he has another good performance. Um, <clears throat> Which he only know. basically probably will if it goes to game seven. Yeah. So I think ideally, but it's still, if they win, if they get the gentleman's sweep, I feel like the gentleman's sweep is in play. Tonight's game will be key. Of if course. they can get there, then I would have a quick hook on Kershaw if it doesn't look good in game five. Just you don't want to get let the game get away from you. You want to control it. And if everything looks solid, you know, be ready to go. Basically have somebody ready in the bullpen at all times so that you can quickly make a switch if you need to. Um, you only leave Kershaw out as long as you feel is necessary. If he's pitching well, let him have a little room. If he's trying to pitch out of trouble, you can give him a chance. But if he gets in real trouble, be ready to do the quick hook. Yep. And that's that's the key. Like, give him a chance, but then at the same time, be ready to pull him. And you have to let him know that that's in play. Like, you have no room here. You got to get yourself out of danger or not get in danger, and then you can pitch as long as you want. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's fair. I think you can be done. Yeah, but if they do the gentleman sweep, I think it'll go up a little bit. The, what I will say about the card market is that uh, pitchers generally don't appreciate that well. They do eventually. Um, if you start putting up all-time stats, like Verlander the last couple of years have finally started to appreciate. It took the accumulation of all that good stuff he had done and started to put up all-time numbers and a World Series win and, 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 and. Right. And now you're starting to see it. Like, if you had bought Verlander a couple of years back, you'd be pretty happy today. But it took a lot. I don't think there's the love for a lot of these pitchers the way there would be for some of the other ones like a Nolan Ryan or even a Tom Seaver, guys mm -hmm. like that. There's not a lot of those. And most of the pitchers that get a lot of appreciation are like dead. Yeah. You know, you get a Walter Johnson card, that'd be expensive. A Cy Young, yes. Yes, but they, they've been there for a long time and there's not a lot yeah. of those cards out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kershaw, though, has appreciated already, I would say. Kershaw probably wouldn't move much because Kershaw, I think, has appreciated the last couple of years. Um this, this would only help. It'd be a feather in his cap to finally have that World Series championship to stack on top of having these dominant performances and years of really great pitching. Yeah. So he's in the kind of the Verlander camp where it can bolster his case that he's already been building. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, but yeah, the Bueller would be still pretty good. I, I before Long before the series, I, I probably have got about four or five of them sitting in my holdings. Nice. You know, the other thing that's, that's striking me about this World Series or just the playoffs in general is, Carlos, What's that? is how quickly the narrative changes, hmm. right? And how quickly it's it's changed, um, you know, day to day and even by, you know, sports writers that are following this and that's their job. And right, because 
obviously there were, and I, I tweeted this and I, or not tweeted it, but I posted it on Facebook and I, I still agree with it. Uh, that was a comment by somebody to do with sports. I honestly don't remember who, and I apologize for that to this individual. Somebody to do with sports, that's key. But where he, he basically put out, you know, if uh, Andrew Friedman and Dave Roberts uh, tried as hard to win as they did to be smart, they would have won a World Series already. That is a fact. I agree with that. Uh, right? And and I was like, yeah. I said, I said I don't care. And then it was still while the Atlanta series was going on. And I said, in my, my, my post, I said, it doesn't matter what happens tonight or the rest of the World Series. I said, I, this remains true. Now, obviously, they went on to win that series. And it kind of go now the narrative for them came to sort of the partly the Atlanta choking. Right. And yes. Atlanta sports franchises being, you know, Atlanta sports franchises. Yep. Right. Whereas, you know, a couple of days before it was here we go again with the Dodgers. Here's all the problems that the Dodgers have every postseason. Here's how they're rearing their ugly head in, in this postseason. And then boom, 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 boom. And now the narrows totally change on the Dodgers to where they're, you know, up in the World Series two two wins away from winning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but also, of course, uh, you know, three wins away from losing it, uh, you know, but but right. And after game one in the world series when the Dodgers won, you know, big, it was, you know, was probably going to be over in four. Right. And then the Dodgers kind of did a Dodgery thing with the way they managed their, their bullpen and their starting pitching in game two, because, you know, they did a bullpen game, but it wasn't supposed to be a bullpen. Now part of that was because of the way the Atlanta series ended and how much people had pitched, but you know, the, their starter uh, went, what, uh, one an inning in and out, like one and yeah, a third they, inning. They did one of those uh, little. You're getting cute, uh, right? And and they lost that game. Now it ended up being, you know, it was two runs lost, so it ended up being, a, you know, a competitive game. And okay, now it's I like, have, oh, I have a question for you though. Yeah, go ahead. For you, though, based on what you just said, is it dodgery or simply dodgy? Well, it's probably both. To be fair, yeah, like, but I just feel like dodgery is us is, is is a reach. I'm sure somebody's written that, but I'm like, no, you could just go dodgy. Yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah. like dodgy is perfectly fine. You know, like, and I, and I get it. Like, I understand it in part because you knew that, you know, you were going to run into an issue with there with one start. Like, Ker- uh, Kershaw, after the series ended, Kershaw lined up perfectly for game one, regular rest, great. Bueller lined up for game three, maybe even an extra day rest, but at least regular rest because he pitched in game six. So you knew those games were good. And it was basically the other one, somebody else could start game four, uh, but you know, you'd have to kind of leave them for a few days. So you knew you'd have somebody rested for game four. It was just a question of what are you going to do in game two? Uh, and they went, you know, Gonsal in May and, and that didn't work out so well. Uh, you know, but we'll see what happens. But now after winning last night, again, quite handily, it's like, here we go again, right? And it's, I don't know if it's that I haven't paid attention enough before, but it just feels to me like in this this World Series and these playoffs, the narrative changes, you know, basically on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, so this is an interesting question. Um, What I would say to you is that it is something that is not necessarily new, but it is something that um, something that is more prevalent, I feel, in some of the other sports. But um, see, there we go. I like it. I like I like how we can maybe we should do this on a regular basis now of, of what we're talking about. I was playing around with this on one of my other live streams. So I like it's, it. It's a handy I, I, I do like it, Carlos. Yeah. So the thing is that um, 
a lot of the other sports have a lot more of this just because of the nature of it. Baseball with so many games, it's really hard to turn on a dime that way. Uh, because you do a three game series, you're not going to change your narrative mid series. You, you could try, but it would be really weird. When you get to like the World Series now, you can do it a little bit better. You could do it better. You were able to do it better before with the day offs in between. Uh, the traditional time. Now they do this World Series does have the day offs. Yeah, yeah, but um, but the but the again the the uh, championship series did not. Correct. So it was a little trickier to do that shifting on a dime. Right now you can a little bit, um, but for the other sports like you know. Football is a perfect example of this. So like week one, there'll be the overreaction. Then week two will be an overreaction to what happened in week one if something changed. If a team dominates in week one but looks like garbage in week two, oh, they were overrated, never mind. Then they would dominate again in week three. Oh, never mind, we were wrong about the week two. Then they're like garbage in week th- week four. Then they're like, this team is inconsistent. Like we just keep cha- we keep moving the goalposts. Like, yeah. and, and we saw this happen already in kind of the one I discussed earlier where – uh, the Packers looked like world beaters for the first couple of weeks. And I was like the one beating the drum as the Packer fan going like, I've seen this. Don't get too excited about it. Let me see what happens when someone starts to expose a couple of their weaknesses. And well, I mean, NFL week one is probably the most overreaction that you ever get of anything. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But even weeks in, you'll still get it because teams will shift. They'll really look bad in a certain performance. But sometimes it's a bad matchup for them. Or sometimes mm-hmm. they have an inherent... These teams are supposed to be studying the tape on these other teams. So yep. if you identify a weakness, you have more data with which to draw your conclusions. And if you have the personnel to exploit it, you're like, okay, the teams in the first couple of weeks didn't realize this. Now we have enough tape. Oh, I see a hole here. We mm-hmm. can take advantage of it. And everybody going forward will also have that piece of data now. So they'll be able to adjust. But now the Packers also know what that weakness is if they didn't already. So now they can adjust. So if yep. the Packers come back and play better in the next week, it's like, oh, everything's right in the world. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But hopefully Green Bay adjusts the same way that Tampa Bay adjusted. And if Tampa Bay comes out next week and plays like garbage, well, then what are you going to believe? Yeah, exactly. The team that crushed uh, you know, Green Bay? Again, if Green Bay wins handedly in their next game and Tampa Bay loses, then so what did the previous week mean? Mm-hmm. My answer is teams keep adjusting. Teams keep adapting. They, You're going to find out because each team, there is no flawless team in the, in the NFL right now. No. And there aren't in a lot of these sports. Like there is no flawless team. Even, um, even Kansas City, as strong as they looked with all the offensive weapons, they've had a couple of games where they've won but struggled a little bit against what's on paper inferior competition. But they've won. So, you know, on to the next game, but at the same time, like they've had some struggles and I think they, didn't they lose to Oakland? Oh, sorry. Uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Didn't they lose to Las Vegas Raiders? They did. What does that mean? So is Kansas city not good anymore? I think they're still good. Of course it's, yeah. you know, like one game, it doesn't mean anything really. Yeah. But again, on the other side, what does it mean for Vegas? Is Vegas actually good? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Correct. That's that's what I'm trying to get at, but you had a conclusive result. Las Vegas did win that game. They won clean. They won legit. You know, it's not like Patrick Mahomes was injured or something. That that team was fully was fully loaded to bear with yep. all their offensive weapons. And Las Vegas had their weapons, and they were able to beat them. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for next week? I don't know. And also, yeah. um, after that, Kansas City, I think, also played Buffalo and actually played them pretty close for a little bit. Yep. I believe it was Buffalo, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it ended up winning. A, it ended up being a very comfortable uh, Kansas City win. By the time it was done, yeah. But there was a stretch there for some of the game where it was. A le- they were at least Buffalo was at least hanging in there. 
Yep. But but again, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. If Buffalo is good, then it means Kansas City has a couple of things they need to work on. If Buffalo is kind of just okay, then it means Kansas City has more things to work on. If Buffalo's legit, then hey, good job, guys. You hung in there for a little while. You just need to work on a couple of things. Yeah, exactly. Keep, keep progressing. That's what I mean. Like, as we get more data, more weeks go by, I'll be able to better tell you what does it mean. Does Kansas City have a flaw that we haven't fully identified yet? Maybe they do. Did Las Vegas like max out what they could do and that was just like the peak of their season? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Does Buffalo have the ability to continue ascending? Perhaps. Because New England right now is trying to figure out its identity, trying to find its way as well. Like right now, there's a lot of these teams. Like I said, Tampa Bay coming off this one, if you wanted to believe that Tampa Bay is now on the ascent, awesome. It look They look good. Now, again, if they have a bad a bad game, this this next upcoming game, the next couple of games they have, a, they lay an egg somewhere in there, the narrative will shift 180 degrees. Tom Brady's too old. This team is full of things. Antonio Brown lit himself on fire in the middle of the thing and ran into the crowd. Like, all legit gonna... possibilities. I'm still waiting for Antonio Brown to become the mascot. Well, what's Tampa Bay's mascot? I, I don't know. It's probably some kind of pirate. <laughs> Sir Pirate? No, I, I don't. I don't know. I feel it's like I feel their mascot's name's got to be something like Billy Buccaneer or something generic like that. I don't actually know. But don't you think Sir Pirate would be a bit redundant? Because I feel like Pirate is almost its own title. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, like being a proper pirate. It's like, sir, that is unnecessary. Literally unnecessary. You don't need to be Sir Pirate. That would be like, what if he's Sir Pirate Esquire? Even better. Like I like it. I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with it, yeah, Esquire. Yeah, he just walked, but what? But then he's a pirate, and he's like a douchey pirate. <laughs> like he comes out with a monocle. And of he, course, why not? He's dressed like half Jack Sparrow and half like Mr. Peanut with the top. Hat. <laughs> Do it, I want man. you all to take that visual back with you now. Uh, yeah, I wish we could find that. I, do you see what I've done, Dave? I know. I mean, it's, it's somebody. Somebody that's listening to this needs to create that and send it to us. You know. Uh, all I'm saying is now I want you all to visualize what I just did there. Just visualize it and realize the brilliance right here. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we did we did bring the people uh, crazy face Ronaldo. Don't forget. It is it is a fact. It is a fact. This is quality content. Is right. what I'm saying. But yeah, all right. Um, but that's really the way it is with that. Let, let me put a button on the World Series talk then for a little bit. All right. Um, I do think it. There's nothing definitive here, but I do think, I do think if LA completes this game here. Um, and closes it off. I think it'll be curtains. I think it would be gentleman sweep most likely, which is fine. But I do think it is going to be a subdued. So kind of leaning back to my original point from earlier, I think it's going to be a little subdued. Of course, the fans will be happy. You know, they won. And there are some fans in the stands here. So it's not like it'll be devoid of, you know, any crowd participation. There'll be certainly some. I just don't know if it'll, um, it's one of those things where we'll remember uh, if they do, again, if they do, we'll remember it and it'll count certainly, but it'll just be like, yeah, you remember that season? Yeah, that was kind of a weird year. Yeah. yeah. And I and I don't think it'll be uh, but or it could be like uh, you know, for a lot of people like 81, right? Yeah. Where well, I think enough time has gone by where it's like a lot of folks will the good news for them is that nobody remembers that well, I shouldn't say nobody. I would say anybody that isn't like more of a baseball or historian or somebody who was really following the game at that time, they'll just see who won the World Series and they won't understand the yeah, context. Right. And I feel like people will look back on this and say, you know, 2020, okay, with pandemic, COVID, you know, but will they remember, oh yeah, that was the 60 game season. And yeah, we had expanded playoffs for the first time. You know, will they remember all that? You know, again, the hardcore baseball fan will absolutely, but your casual observer, 
most likely not. Exactly. So I think for the good news for them is that history will probably remember them better than the current. But I think in the current, uh, it will be a little bit muted. Yeah, compared to you're what I think are. you're probably right in that one. Yeah, because it basically think about what happened with the Lakers. Hey, good job, Lakers. You won. Cool. And we you know, I, I feel that that may in time play a little bit more bigger role because it it goes more into LeBron's legacy and the Correct. you know LeBron versus Jordan sort of arguments, yeah. but otherwise yeah right no yeah but just think at the moment uh, and that's th this is a good example the lakers if the lakers had won a championship and we were operating on normal parameters don't you think it would have been kind of a big deal yeah it would have been it definitely would have been a bigger deal for Correct. sure Correct. yeah and then you'd be setting up for like a gigantic parade and a whole bunch of stuff and then i think it would have taken on to an even another level it would have been as it is i i don't think the lakers the lakers fans aren't sending it back of course not <laughs> they'll take it they'll take it as far as they're concerned, yes, this all counts. This was the most difficult championship in the history of basketball. Yeah. Right. God damn it. LeBron James had to carry this team uphill both ways. That is how it shall be remembered henceforth. Yeah, exactly, right? It is the day. It is the, This will be the year that we have that. It'll be the year that we have whatever this World Series ends up being going forward. And it'll be the year we all learned about the true goat. The one true goat, not in one single sport, Dave. The one true goat in all of sports. Bo Jackson? Sir Pirate Esquire. Yeah. Bo Jackson's pretty good, but he's no Sir Pirate Esquire. This is true. Few people are, Carlos. Few people are. Jack Sparrow mixed with the peanut. Yeah. Just I feel think I, about I, it. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I love it. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. All right. I think that's good. Um, is there anything else that uh, catches your mind or anything else that you can think? No, about? I, I mean, I, I really, I really wish there was, but you know, my, my sole focus has really been on the world series right now, obviously, because I am a Dodger fan, uh, you know, a little bit with periphery with the NFL cause it's going on and whatnot. Obviously when the world series is over, uh, and you know, then my folk, my sports focus will become the NFL, uh, you know, until the next league starts up. But otherwise now, you know, I'm obviously, which is interesting because, I'm big into soccer too. And I follow that and I've, I've watched, you know, a game here, a game there. I watched less than I did before I had a kid, but I still watch a fair bit of soccer. Uh, but for some reason, I'm just, I don't know if it's the lack of fans at the games because the fans make such a part of the atmosphere, you know, singing and things uh, and the games, if that has anything to do with it or not, I don't know, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling it like I normally do. That doesn't mean I, I won't, you know, look for areas to come up with some good pretentious cross country running report stuff to bring the people. Uh, you know, because the world needs more rolling Neymar, Carlos. Uh, it is. It is true. It is true. Have you but otherwise, just, yeah. have you considered just adding background noise, having a surround sound system, and just putting your in your own? Well, they have. They have. Um, at least on the uh, zone, right? You can watch the game with stadium sound or without stadium sound, okay. right? When and the stadium sounds all faked, like it's pumped yeah. in, right? But to me, it's just not the same, especially when you can see all the the emptiness of the stands too. Does the the emptiness uh, the emptiness affects you? Does it? It does. It Let's does. See. Also, speaking of emptiness, I know we're kind of off this topic, but uh, hmm. I am not impressed with Glow Light Field. Oh, right, like the... you know me, the the where they're playing the World Series right now. Yeah, I you know me, you know I'm a huge lover of baseball parks. You know I've been to every major league baseball city, uh, and seen a game there. You know, so I've seen a, a lot of parks, mm -hmm. but. This is, I mean, let's, I mean, hopefully one day I'll get there and I'll, I'll see it for myself, but on TV, it's like dark and dingy. 
and yeah. it's brand new. Yeah. Well, the Rangers are kind of a dark and dingy franchise. It, has, no, it, hasn't, been, it hasn't been a good history. No, I get what you're saying. I, I don't know. Um, it kind of goes back to um, it's given them a bit of a trial run, though, I would say. I, although, to be fair, I don't know if too many of the current baseball stadiums are really set up in such a way. The last couple that have come out. I don't know if they're really set up in such a way to make them like exciting. I think they're just kind of there. It's really hard to come up with like an interesting because again, a lot of them do come off as kind of cookie cutter. Not not like Skydome cookie cutter, but like like um we'll do a quirk. Randomly stick a you know, randomly stick a flagpole in the middle of the center field and have the outfielder run into it a couple of times. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. That shit was in play in the old days, Dave. I know, man. You run I into know. that flagpole like a man. And I, I liked it better when Houston still had the hill in center field. Well, I always thought that was funny because it, because I saw people would complain about it. I was like, well, then don't run to the hill. Take the bounce off the hill. Yep. So you think the Ivy in Grigley Field makes it easier for the players to play if the ball is right in the middle of the Ivy? It's like, no, they have to like, okay, calculate. How far is the fence? Like if you're an outfielder, you have to f- factor this in. Yeah. How far is the fence? How far am I? If I run, am I going to run full speed into the ivy? Because that doesn't really protect me. So there's still a wall behind it. I have to be aware of that. So it's like adjust. Also, if the ball is right there where the ivy is, is one of the leaves going to mess with me or throw me off or whatever? That's that's been in play the whole time. Yep, or if the ball exactly. bounces off the fence, does it catch like a branch of the ivy and then slow it down or change its direction? We don't see a lot of that, but it could very well be the case. It For could sure. happen. Every ballpark has its own little quirks. It's own little things that you have to kind of be aware of. Well, your job as a player is to be like, well, then go out there and take extra uh, fielding practice where you're calculating these things. Mm-hmm. That's your job as a professional to adapt to your conditions. And that's that's normal, though. Like, that's that's how it's done and everything. Oh, I'm reminded. I remember now. We're going to bring a full circle here, Dave. All right. I like, I lo- you know I love bringing a full circle, Carlos. All right. I got one more thing we're going to talk about before we call it a day. All right. Get ready for it. Here we go. Mm, hashtag quality content. All right. CrossFit games. Right. So here's the, see, I did forget CrossFit games. Okay. So here's the deal. CrossFit games is an interesting television sport or in this case, internet, you know, they do it on YouTube. Um, It's fun to watch because it's fun to watch other people get tortured. The way this worked this year is that they did it in two phases. They did the initial phase where obviously COVID, we have to be aware of this. So they allowed all of them to do it inside of their own gyms. So they set up the events, they outlined, this is the equipment you need, this is the way, and they sent judges to every single one of the facilities okay. to make sure everything is up to spec, to make it as level a playing field as possible. Of course. So they brought in official judges to be like, no, I will check your equipment, I'll make sure everything's right. We'll set it up exactly the same way as everybody else so that you guys are all competing on a level playing field as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's how they decided to do it. So they said, okay, so what's going to happen is you got the judge there, making sure everything's cool. You're allowed to have a couple of, uh, you know, fans, so to speak, from your gym and can hang out there. Uh, you can have your coach there. You can have some stuff. Like, they laid out all the parameters for everybody. Yep, yep. And they said, okay. So, and then we'll tape it and film it. And if there's any questions, we can go back and look at, review the tape. So they made all these events. And it was only about eight or nine events, uh, which is low for them normally. But what happened is you rack up all the points. If you win, you get the most points. If you're last place, you get zero points, so on and so forth. And it's staggered, blah, blah, blah. So at the end of that first section round, then who the top five would get to go on to stage two, which is happening this weekend. And stage two is where the last five would compete to who is going to be the CrossFit's game champion for the men and for the women. Okay. And the top five all get invited to what's called the ranch. 
the ranch is the original venue where the early CrossFit games were done. It's this uh, like compound. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where it is, but it's this compound out where they do events out in the wilderness and, and things. So they, they so they've got all these things. They've got drones and stuff now, so they can show all the footage and whatever. So they do actually a YouTube show with it where they'll do the live events, and you can watch the replay later and all that good stuff. And they'll do highlights on the channel and all that. But what happened is one of the events they did, because the whole thing with CrossFit Games is that you've got all these ridiculous events. They're all silly in terms of what they do. But they're intended to be these quote-unquote tests of fitness, which means we got to find out. There's going to be events that test your power, your ability, your cardiovascular endurance, your ability to combine some, because sometimes an event is a combination of, all right, you're going to lift these weights this way, then I'm going to have you run, then I'm going to have you do this, then I'm going to have you do pull-ups, then I'm going to have you do this, then, and we're going to do this for 10 rounds. Other times it's like there was an event that was uh, in last year's where it was basically they did a rowing marathon. Okay. Like you ever seen the rowers? Mm-hmm. But they did a marathon, so 24 miles of rowing. That's a long which, row. Which meant, that you, which meant that even if you were pretty good at it, you were rowing for comfortably two hours. In addition, And this was your last event of the night after you had already done other events. That's crazy. So you're already tired, and then I'm going to make you row for two hours and 24 miles. So That's now crazy. it's a mental test. It's like you have to be able to hang in there and keep going for two hours. And when you're done, you keel over and possibly die, <laughs> which some of them almost did because it, was, because it was asking a lot. Of course. So in this one, they had an event outside that was uh, basically a trail run. It was literally a trail run because, like mm-hmm. I said, this is out in kind of a wilderness area. So the trail run was about three miles. But the thing is the guy who, uh, the guy who programs is the person who comes up with the events – these events don't. These events change every year, so they modify the events. So, so you could be figure out an event completely next year. We're not doing that event. Next year, maybe we'll do a variation of it and, tw- and make a twist, change some aspect of it. So you, so remember what the what led me into this was the idea of when we did the intro and you weren't ready, and then I switched it up on you. Well, the whole philosophy of the way they do it is you have to be prepared for everything. Right. They don't tell them what the event is. They will give them components of it they say this is what we're going to have you do to begin and then just pay attention you'll receive instructions right and usually you get the instructions at the last minute but sometimes they say okay so do this and then at a certain point there is a surprise they tell them there's going to be a surprise be aware of that because at some point they could change something or do some kind of a twist so in this particular event they were doing a three mile trail run okay three miles during part of it, they did it up a hill, mm-hmm. a 55-degree incline, which you had to run for almost for almost a kilometer up. Right. A 55-degree incline. And then you're going down also. And then you're going back up. And then you're going down. And then you're twisting and you're turning. And you don't really see. There's a path paved somewhat-ish, but not really. It's a trail. So imagine you go out on a wilderness trail and you're running. And you're doing this against the other five – it's five people in left – so you're doing this against the other four people, but you're doing this. And remember, they told you there's a twist. They didn't tell you what the twist is. So now strategically, you're like, okay, it's a trail run. What's the twist? Because it's about three miles, they say. It's, they say they called it three miles plus or minus. Okay. That's what they called it. Because they said, they didn't say it was three miles. They said three miles plus or minus. So you're doing this, you're going, and there's volunteers there making sure you're going in the right direction to make sure, you know, it help you, whatever. So what happened is the leaders got to the end of it. And you're watching, if you're watching this live, you're getting it live. I watched the replay a little bit just to check it out. So when the leaders got to the end, 
one of the leaders is Matt Frazier, who's won this, who won, who's won this thing four times. So mm-hmm. he got there at the end and he crossed the finish line. And, you know, oh, good job because there's a finish line. And there's some people there cheering, a handful, but there's some people there cheering and all that. So you get to the finish line. And the guy who's uh, programming this is named Dave Castro. He's there wait, waiting for them at the finish line. And he goes, he goes, good job, man. All right, now turn around and do it again. And, the, and the, at first, Matt Frazier was literally looking at me, and he gave him the finger because he because he's a joker, and sometimes he'll like play practical joking. He goes, no, I'm serious. Turn around and do it again. Go back the other way. And then they had to go and do the three miles back the other way, exactly the way they came with the same uphills and downhills. They didn't tell them that. So whatever pace they did it at had to be a pace that allowed them to potentially, by the way, we're just going to double this. It's actually six miles. We lied. <laughs> we, we left that out. So I hope you I hope you didn't burn yourself out in the first three miles trying to do this super fast because you're going to need to do it again. Oh gosh, yeah. So in the men's uh, competition, it didn't have an impact in the end because Matt Frazier was able to win it again. But uh, Tia McClaire, Tia Claire Toomey, who's the female uh, version of Matt Frazier because she's won the championship about three consecutive years, mm-hmm. she was leading going into the finale, and then she was basically told the exact same thing: you got to turn right around and go right back up. In that instance, one of the other competitors was able to pass her um, because she had gassed herself in the first half, but she was still there in like the top two, top three. Yeah. So, and she's still dominating right now because she's very good at it. But that is an example. Like, imagine you're doing a competition, you think you're done. Oh, by the way, no, sorry, that's only the first half. <laughs> Hope you're not tired. Got to do it again. And then there'll be more events tomorrow. So I hope you don't gas yourself on this one. That's crazy, man. Yeah, but there's a strategy though. So yeah. think about it though. There is a strategy. One of the um, one of the themes of the games is supposed to be they tell these guys, we'll give you information, but we're going to give you incomplete information oftentimes. And sometimes we'll change things up. We already know what the twist is. You don't. Mm-hmm. So you need to be prepared for anything we may throw at you. That's part of the test. That's part of this competition is we may change something up on you that you weren't expecting and you couldn't have possibly planned for it. And that was the point, which makes it interesting. Absolutely does. Yeah. So it's one of those things because at any point they could randomly throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing. It's like, you thought you knew what was going to happen. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was very funny though, watching the reaction of Matt Frazier when he told him, it's like, yeah, yeah you're going to have to do it. It's like, yeah, you got to go back. <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> and the other guy uh, reacted to it quicker because the guy behind the, the number two finisher was directly behind him. It was literally like feet behind him. He crossed the finish line second. But then as soon as he said that, the other guy was just like, all right. So the other guy became first place for a couple of minutes <laughs> because he, he was able to recover quicker and just go like, all right, screw it. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually Matt Frazier did win because he, he was well set. His conditioning was excellent. So he was able to do that, but it's, but it's, um, and the commentators were talking about it. The <laughs> mental, the mental aspect of we just screwed with you. <laughs> you thought you were done, but I hope you're ready to reset and go again because we're going to make you do it. And the thing is, how do you know they wouldn't have made you do it a third time? Yeah. So now, like don't. in the back of your mind, and the and the commentators were talking about it. They're like, so it's like the other aspect of it is like now the competitors can't assume anything about the rest of the competition because they've already proven that they will change it up on you like that. Right. It was part of uh, Dave Castro's plan, but what other what else could he be doing? So all the competitors now have to think. So they're going to go to bed thinking about like, okay, what other twists does this guy come up with? Because he's a masochist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the thing is, uh, Dave Castro enjoys torturing these people who are extremely fit and extremely good at what they do. He likes to see like, I bet I can make one of you fall a keel over. 
let me figure out how. Yeah. So anyway, so that that played into the whole theme of uh, be prepared for anything. I like it, man. I like there it. There you go. Put a button on it. Hashtag quality content. Look at that. Little bonus uh, info for you folks. I feel, I feel we did a solid job today, Carlos. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I did that all with a headache because I'm a man. I'm not exactly 40, but I'm a man. But but you will be soon enough. Yeah, well, you know. As will I. You do what you can. You do what you can. You anyway, do, so that's it for this us this time around. We'll come up with something else. Uh, for the most part, we got through this one without incident. So the it should be up on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the YouTube channel. Watch the YouTube channel. You get my facial expressions. You get to see, you know, the pictures I put on the screen. You get, you get repeated hashtag, Rob Manfred. You get hashtag quality content. Like, man, you guys are missing out. And now we, and now we have Dave as our official like person who does crap on Facebook because I'm too lazy and I'm, I've already got enough shit to do. So now you have another way of being able to see all your episodes. So That's true. So for myself and Dave, that is episode number 71, take two. You never saw take one, but I assure you it was. And you never will. You never will, not now. All right, so that's it for us. We'll catch you in the next episode of The Unnecessary Night.